Hello and welcome to the Kearley Cultivation Podcast. I'm your host, Dexter Kearley. I apologize, this month's episode is a little late, but we had a few hiccups in putting this episode out. I'll go ahead and start off with my apologies. First off, this was the third time that we sat down to record this episode. Barbie, for whatever reason, has been incredibly confusing for me. The first episode we recorded right the morning after we watched it. And that was really before we had the full scope of the controversy and the um, division around it. We weren't quite expecting. I guess we had kind of experienced it a little bit prior to us trying to record or going to see it. You know, we knew that there was some controversy and. There was a little bit of hoopla around it, Uh, but we watched it. We recorded the next morning. Both of us like unanimously felt like, man, this is, we got to record this episode. So we waited, I think it was about a week after watching it, and we we re-recorded a new episode, but that episode, I was a little sick I was uh, overly negative in that recording. I was very critical. I didn't really like my take on it. So then we recorded the third time, and the third time was a charm. So we actually, I felt like, uh, really got into some interesting territory on it. Shannon's opinion didn't really change from the morning after watching it till... um, the one that you're about to hear, my opinion changed radically. And even now, as I'm recording this intro, I'm still thinking like, man, what do I think? You know, I'm still not exactly sure. Another apology about this episode is I, uh, so the AC was running through the whole episode and because it's like 110 degrees down here in Stephenville. So When we recorded, I tried to do my best to, you know, block some of the noise out, and I also turned the noise gate up on the recording. So some of the spots, I don't know if you'll even notice it. Whenever I was uh, listening back to the episode, I noticed it. So just be, you know, be aware. I, I think it's worse in certain spots than others. I was just trying to get that background hum out of the microphone that wasn't being spoken into and I'm not sure if if there's probably if you're a sound person a sound technician they probably know how to avoid that problem I don't so uh, I just kind of experienced it so hopefully it's not too annoying um in this episode we talk about Barbie uh What's really interesting to me about the movie as I was rewriting this intro, getting ready for this, was there's no overtly offensive content. There's no nudity. There's no, like, you know, grotesque violence. Uh, I don't really remember a whole lot of profanity. There's some uh, innuendo. There's a lot of innuendo sexual jokes and stuff. Uh, But... It was overall, perceptually, you know, compared to like certain movies, like even the the previous movie that Margot Robbie was in, which was, um, 
oh, dang, I'm not going to be able to remember the name of it now, like Babylon or whatever. It's that early uh, early Hollywood um, video about early Hollywood and the debauchery that went on there, you know? I mean, this was a pretty mundane movie to have so much controversy around it. And I thought it was interesting because the majority of the the uh, controversy was over theory, you know, and deeper level thoughts about what the movie was implying and what it was insinuating. So for that in, for that reason, you know, even if you haven't seen the movie or you have no interest in Barbie, we really got into some, I feel like, some interesting areas when talking about this episode. Um, this episode... Uh, was also, I mean, it was a lot of fun to record, honestly, like, we, we were clicking, we were firing on, on several cylinders, so I think y'all are gonna enjoy this episode. Quick life update, so Shannon, as of today, it is, um, today is Thursday the 24th of, um, August, and Shannon started her first day as faculty at Tarleton State University. So she's going to be part of the English department. She's teaching five classes of 1301. And it really is a dream come true for her. I mean, when, you know, she, I think she was in school for eight years. I'm trying to remember exactly. She was, it was when she was pregnant with Emmett that she went back to school, I'm pretty sure. And he just turned seven. So, I think she went back to school for eight years, finished her undergrad, and then got her master's. And during that whole time, occasionally she would talk and say like, oh, you know, what would my dream job be? What would my dream position be? And it was being faculty at an English department. And so um, we'll probably get into the story in a later episode, but through a crazy series of events, she ended up. Uh, meeting a lot of the faculty at at Tarleton and getting the position and it's a dream come true for her and I am very proud of her I mean she uh, has worked harder than I've ever worked at anything in my life to get her master's degree and I know she's going to be great I know she's going to be great for those students a lot of people think that college is a dead institution I especially hear this uh, echoed on the side of like conservatives or the right um, that they're just like yeah you know college is dead basically it's pointless but uh, I would definitely challenge that because I saw Shannon go through school and none of her professors not a single one of her professors forced an ideology on her they were more offering her an option of buying out of whatever ideology she wanted to buy out of or buy into whatever ideology ideology she was wanting to. Uh, she just had to defend her point on that. And so I think, you know, I mean, I'm I'm also on the on the boat. You know, I think that Western civilization is a sink, is a sinking ship and probably going to, you know, collapse within probably my lifetime, but that doesn't mean that something else isn't going to replace it, uh, something maybe better, maybe uh, more advanced, or um, more, you know, progressive is a, a bit of a dirty word these days, 
but, you know, progress, right? I mean, I think uh, that's the story of humanity until it's reset, you know, or until like an asteroid hits us and sets us back to the Stone Age. So the boys also started school. Um, They're both in elementary school now, and they are thriving. It is crazy, like, both for different reasons. Callahan, uh, the younger of the two, he just, I think he just really thrives in structure. He's a hard worker, and so if he is given work or work is, like, placed in front of him, he just thrives at it, you know, does really well with structure. And then Emmett is so social. He just loves being around any people that he can be around at any point in time. So school is a great place for both of them. And they, uh, but they both have great teachers. And uh, the school that they go to is great. So part of the reason that we are where we're at in life, living at, you know, my in laws, Shannon's parents or grandparents' place, farm, you know was to get into rural America and reap some of the benefits of rural America, which is, you know, elementary school and, you know, knowing every single teacher in the school, which we don't, but Emmett does. (laughs) So, I mean, he's a very social little kid. So, anyway, uh, as for me, I have a ton of projects going on. Today, I actually was working on chicken coop all day. Uh, yesterday I was painting our master bathroom. It's going through a remodel. I've got a redo. I've got it. Our redo. I've got to build a retaining wall on the front of our house, as well as a lot of work in the garden. It's been so dang hot that uh, the garden kind of was stifled. Uh, but you know, it looks at least in the forecast, the weather forecast, it seems like the heat is going to break a little bit and. It also happens that my compost pile is good to go. It's just now finishing. So I will probably be flipping my beds, re remaking a lot of the beds, and then adding compost to them, and then starting my fall crop. So follow along on social media. And uh, I'm also planning on starting to do some solo shows just because out, a little bit out of necessity, Shannon is going to be very busy coming up. And I'm going to have a little bit more free time because, you know, any day that I'm off or home, the boys are either going to be at school and now Shannon's working full time. So she'll be uh, gone as well. So there will be some times where, you know, I'm tired or whatever. Or I'm taking a lunch break and I might have some things on my mind and I might throw them out here. You know, I mean. Part of the point of the Kearley cultivation is to project some ideologies. And it's not really one of the things, I don't know, I guess maybe somebody would classify me as getting preachy occasionally, but it's not really, I don't really feel like I'm coming from a preachy point of view. It's more what I view is like a growth. So... There's a lot of times I may say something about, you know, fitness or family or maybe even like faith or something like that, but it's never from a perspective of uh, having accomplished something. Most of the time it's I observe a failure within myself uh, or a failure within my immediate 
surroundings and I want to address it or talk about it, you know, uh, just get it off my chest. And then hopefully you can take that thing that I'm talking about, digest it and maybe give me something back, right? Maybe shoot me an email and say, Hey, you know, that was a good point, but I think you're kind of got this blind spot, you know, that'd be kind of beneficial to me. So I'm also going to try to blog a little bit more and I have been in, uh, I've been excited to start writing again. I'm thinking, you know, I've always had this like looming like novel, you know, long form book in the back of my head that I've always kind of been messing with. But I've also written a bunch of short, or I say a bunch, I've, I've written some short stories that are up on the website. I've also got other uh, short stories that I haven't published on the website. I probably need to get that done. But I had this uh, thought or I was talking to some you know, of my coworkers, and uh, there's a, a concept that I'm wanting to play with of an arc uh, situation where, like, imagine if, for instance, you know, like, let's say that Einstein was correct, which more than likely he was, I don't know exactly, but, you know, he says if you travel at a certain percentage of the light speed, you know, then you age differently relative to Earth. So, like, what if there was a catastrophe on Earth and they launched a whole bunch of ships at different speeds for different times, you know? So, I'm, I'm going to try to write a little story uh, playing with the idea of, like, imagine, imagine if you launched, you know, 15 ships from America with 20,000 people on each ship right now. But all of them, so the AC just kicked on, I'm sorry. But all of them, like, arrived back at Earth with, like, thousands of years in between each other. So you have the same people arriving on Earth, but it could be over a span of 50,000 years or something like that. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a wild idea, but I've been needing to push myself and, and write some crazy you know, story. So that's probably what I'm going to try to do. Anyway, this is the Barbie episode and I hope that you enjoy it. Um, we're going to try to, I, I am going to try to be better about getting these episodes out on the 15th of the month. And I'm also going to be a little bit better about keeping my intros under 15 minutes. So, uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Uh, please support however you can, uh, mostly just telling a friend or sharing it on social media or whatever you're doing, even just shooting me a message on Instagram or through my website, uh, an email, uh, encouraging me. A lot of that kind of stuff helps. So all that being said, hopefully you enjoy this episode and until next time, peace out. What gives you the right? Well, I am a ticking time bomb of fury. This can't be happening, man. This isn't happening. Let's see it. Well, what if there is no tomorrow? So stop melting, ladies, because the boy is hotter than hot. I'm the best chance you've got. Okay, and welcome to the Barbie episode. Woohoo! Kind of interesting. This is our third time recording it. <laughs> I wanted to say welcome back because it feels like we've just been here. Welcome back. Um, mostly my fault. 
Uh, Barbie, for me, has been a very confusing experience. <laughs> so the first episode that we recorded, we trashed. Well, that one was directly the morning after. We saw the movie the night before, recorded just our responses to it the morning right. after. Which, uh, I mean, I, I thought was fine, um, you know, fine recording. It just didn't have a whole lot of context because afterwards, after the initial day, you hopped on Reddit, I hopped on YouTube, we started kind of gathering intel is what i felt like well just processing processing trying to come to terms with the movie and just yeah process uh what we saw and uh so the first one we kind of trashed because we're like hey you know we didn't really have enough context the second one i was a little sick and in kind of a crappy mood so i was like super negative and everything sucked the movie sucked yeah it, it wasn't um i didn't feel like it was an honest response from me because I don't know. I was just in like a little bit of a, like I said, I think I was kind of sick. I wasn't feeling super great. So I was kind of a little negative. Um, but you know, we did go see it. Um, not sure we ever came to a conclusion as to what movie this was like our first movie date in like years, years, probably at least since before Emmett's born. Probably. Probably. No, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I cannot think of the last time I've seen a movie with you in the theater. Yeah, I can't think of it either. I've seen uh, plenty of movies with the boys, uh, with Emmett especially. But uh, this was the first date. Um, we went to a theater in Weatherford. And that was my first time ever like drinking a beer during a movie. It was a full service movie theater. Full service which was movie very theater. Fun. Um, the seats were pretty wide because America's gotten so fat. I don't uh, think, oh, well, excuse me. I think the seats are wide because that way you're not sitting right next to someone you don't know. Because the theater was packed, and so that way you have room. Like, I actually had no, room. No, it's because people have gotten Well, thicker. you can think that. I like to think it's just because we like to be comfy. Yeah, I think it's because people got thicker. But uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. We uh, ordered our food, and then the food didn't end up coming. So we ended up getting, uh, what was it, like 30% off? 30% Thirty percent discount, discount. You know, and they, the food was good once it did was come good out. Once it did come out, um, and I'll take so, the discount. That was yeah, nice. Oh yeah, I'd actually almost prefer that to happen. Uh, and everybody, the the waiters and everything were really nice. And you had know, my nice, glass of wine while nice I watched Barbie. It. Yeah, I drank uh, two Tall Boys. So they were, I think they were like twenty one ounce or twenty. Might ounce. have skewed your perception of Barbie. Yeah, it might have. It might have helped actually. But the uh, theater was packed out for one, and it was pinked out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For two, um, it has been interesting to see how people have um, cosplayed along it, you know, and and it's been super funny because even in like normal life, I've started to see Barbies, you know, people like Barbied out, wherein it's called Barbie Core. Oh, is it? Yes, that's the new. Oh. Like Barbie decor, Barbie core, Barbie core. Okay, interesting. Yeah, which I've seen several of that, and it's funny because it's just like eighty. Some of it I've seen is like eighties aerobics looking, and then others is just like moms wearing pink, which like hyper pink. 
not just like yeah. something, you know, a subdued pink, which is interesting. It's a little bit of a statement in itself, you know. That Okay, I'll plug another podcast real quick, because the Plastic Pills podcast actually does a whole episode. It may be a YouTube video instead of a podcast, I think. A YouTube video um, just discussing Barbie core fashion and the, the myth of pink. The myth of pink. It just or the maybe maybe what they didn't use myth, but like the symbolism of pink. Right. Okay. Because well, pink used to be a boy color, and blue is the girl color. Really? Mm-hmm. Because they said, and I can find they they actually list um, sources for this, uh-huh. but okay. pink was seen as a stronger color, and so it should be attributed to boys, whereas blue is pretty and soft. Wow. Mm-hmm. What a what a flip. Yeah. When when was that? Like in the eighteen hundreds or something? I think that was yes. Like the pink was yeah. Which you got to think back in the day. I, I bet the pink pigment was. I don't know. I guess blue would be hard to come by too. Maybe it was like more rare, more rare. I don't know. I hadn't. I mean, that was really my first look into a lot of it i know i'd heard that before but they actually talk more in depth about it it was really interesting well it is that is one of the things that you know whenever people talk about like gender in our society uh and people get all up in arms about different stuff so much of it is subjective to to what is uh the hegemonic belief so for instance if everybody is told blue means boy then everybody starts associating it with blue when it's really a completely arbitrary color to begin well, with. Well, and they only did that originally to be able to tell the difference just with babies. Right. It was just, hey, so we can tell who's, like, what this is, what this is, especially, like, when there were hospitals and whatnot. Right. It, was just, it was just an identification. Which I'm pretty sure whenever our boys were in there, all of their stuff was, like, neutral. It was pink and blue. It was pink like, and striped. blue. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is kind of which, and I'll just note this real quick. Although, if you watch that YouTube video, it explains all of this. So, it was just really fascinating. Um, Barbie originally wasn't overwhelmingly pink, right? Like her first outfit was a black and white swimsuit. She wore all colors. She wasn't from the beginning this pink icon, right? Okay. That didn't really happen until 1964 when she came out with her all first all pink outfit. In 1963, something very, very big and tragic happened. Yeah, JFK got shot, and, and his you wife know what Jackie wearing, Kennedy was wearing? Yeah, she was wearing all pink. Mm-hmm. Right, and they said they used that as like the so it was like impetus for a cultural shift. It was like shift. assassination Barbie, like no, uh, but it was just like first lady assassination Barbie. Or something. I think what they were getting at, which is kind of interesting, is that since that image of like the assassination was just oh, everywhere you just start seeing the first lady in pink. Mm. And it just kind of gets burned into well, your Well, you know, she like imagery. wore the same clothes for like a while uh, afterwards. I don't exactly, I can't remember the exact meaning behind her continuing to wear it. Yeah. But yeah, talk about iconic, you know? So I just thought that was really interesting. There's a whole history to pink. Right, you know? okay, interesting. Well, um... So our the theater that we saw was packed out, and uh, most people that have probably gone to the theater have experienced a packed out theater because Barbie has been breaking records. Mm-hmm. Uh, it so and you told me that this earlier, and I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, the last Warner Brothers movie that had done like the best or whatever was The Dark Knight. I had read that Barbie just surpassed 
The Dark Knight as Warner Brothers' highest grossing film. And I thought that was really interesting, just the um, opposition in that. I mean, you've got pinked out Margot Robbie, Barbie, uh, in contrast to like Christian Bale, blacked out, billionaire bad boy who's... You know, I mean, even if you look at the films in themselves, you know, like the Joker was really obsessed with liberating people from their their uh, conditioned responses. Like that was his whole thing. It was like induce a little bit of chaos and you'll see the evil that's within everybody. And then Barbie, there's all this chaos in her world, you know, and I just thought that that was a very interesting parallel. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Dark Knight. You know, and, and Barbie and then Barbie and the fact that uh, the Dark Knight, you know, is a male, you know, you got Christian Bale, but even just Batman in general, it's a it's a very masculine male movie, you know, and yeah, I can only the, think of the one girl in it. The yeah, um, Jake Gyllenhaal's sister. That's all I can think. Of. Is that her? She's yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal's sister. Yeah. Um, She's not. The one that ended up marrying Tom Cruise, right? They switched to a different... I don't know. Um, anyway, Shan's looking it up real well, quick. Well, I just wanted to double check that now that I said that. I'm like 99% sure she's his sister. Yeah. Okay. The older sister. What's her name? Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you know, she's the damsel in distress and ends up getting blown up at the end, you know, which is kind of an interesting parallel, you know, like... Uh, you know, synchronicity almost, you know, um, I have been listening to a podcast called sync tank and they go into a whole bunch of synchronicities. It's a little bit more conspiratorial, but anywho, uh, I did think that that was pretty interesting. Um, and there has been a lot of controversy around the Barbie movie, you know, yeah, I, which I found so fascinating. Yeah, a lot, a lot more controversy than other movies have garnered that probably should have garnered some controversy. I think that's what's so shocking is if we're going to throw fits about movies, there's a lot of movies out there that I think would be more deserving of a fit. As opposed to Barbie. Well, and I mean, I I think, but you know, whenever I was <laughs> whenever I was young, uh, American Pie came out, and I don't know, there probably was some controversy at the time around it. Um, I don't exactly know, but you know, when you when you like, whenever I reminisce back on those movies, it's following a bunch of high school kids that are trying to get laid, and then it even like shows. Um, I can't remember what her name is. Shannon Elizabeth, I think is what her name was. But there's like a scene where they're like set up a webcam to basically spy on this chick, you know, or like um, violate her privacy, basically, and film her getting dressed and undressed or whatever, you know. And I'm like, that's depicting a high school girl. Um, and it's showing her naked in a, you know, it's just kind of interesting that why were people people not upset or or the fact that like people are like just now really like upset with Hollywood or like, you know, uh, well, what's that movie? Hold on. Um, it's Brooke Shields, right? The blue lagoon. Oh yeah. That was like way back in the day. And she was like 14 or something when they made that movie. She was naked a bunch in it. Yeah. Yeah. Super weird. Um, but 
So anyway, there's been a lot of controversy around like emasculating men has been like the biggest part that it it's uh, very anti-man. And then also uh, just women's roles in the world, just in general, kind of, you know, taking this like uber um, feminist approach to a movie and like blatant uh, feminist the- like theology, maybe? Could I? Go so far as ideology. Ideology would be a better word. You're right. Okay, so just for um, people, you know, if if you really want um, a like a full breakdown of the plot, there's plenty of stuff on the internet to watch. Um, we're going to talk about a couple of them here in a second. Um, but also, you could just go see the movie. But for just sake of continuity of this episode uh shannon would you give a quick synopsis of sure. the movie the movie starts out in barbie land which we see is like this over the top pink matriarchy it is barbie and her friends and they party and they're beautiful and it's all about them and the kins are there to look pretty which i will jump in real quick here and say they nailed for like set oh, design the spectacle. It just, um, yeah. they incorporated all of Barbie mythology or, or um, you know, They included a lot of historical sets toys and, and toys sets and, and stuff. And, yeah. Okay, anyway, continue. Okay, so we're introduced to that. Then Barbie begins to have a problem. She begins to have thoughts of death. Her fleet, f- fleet, her feet flatten out. Um, just nothing is going right for her in Barbie world, Barbie land. She ends up finding out through the weird Barbie that she needs to go to the real world, find her person that's playing with her, and repair that person, basically. Like, help that person... Come to terms with life or whatever. Yes. So she goes to the real world. She is having her discovery journey of just what the real world is. Ken also went with her to the real world. He is having a different realization of what the world is. He finds out about the patriarchy, takes it back the, to Barbie land, and basically instills a patriarchy in Barbie land. Barbie then goes back to Barbie land with the mom and daughter that she met in the real world. And they find the patriarchy in Barbie land, and they have to save Barbie land. That's kind of the extent of it. Yeah, and then it a- gets, I feel like the, it gets a little convoluted in the end, but that's the summary of it. Right. Well, I mean, the whole, there's... If you're looking for a movie that has a good plot, this is not your movie. I don't feel like. I do think the we- the plot is the weakest part of There's it. There's a yes. lot of just like what or why or how is this And happening? I actually feel like the first half, 3 fourths of the movie is good. It's just at the end when they were fighting to fighting over the constitution and yeah. had to vote. I didn't quite understand why that mattered or what that was for. Yeah. I was able to look past it and still enjoy the movie. However, the plot could have been better. Yeah, yes. the plot was pretty rough. I think the movie did the aesthetics so perfectly. Well. Yeah. And I think that they, you know, there's a couple of musical numbers in there. Oh, the music's great. The music like the album, great. I still listen to the album. It's good. Yeah, and I I think like uh, Ryan Gosling was it's amazing great. in it. You know, like the the Ken was a really funny character, and they they made some really good jokes. But overall, I felt like uh, the the plot was like you said the weakest part, and it is yeah. very confusing. And like part of what 
led to, I think, a little problem with our first two recordings over this was the fact that the plot's so, like, confusing. You know, it's like, okay, what is it saying? Or what are they saying? Or what are they implying? Or what does this mean? You know, there's a lot of uh, baggage, I feel like, with it that I don't know if it necessarily needed to be there. It's just I don't very, think so. com- it's just very confusing because, you know, I, uh, well, let's just continue. Let's continue with the notes because I think I was about to get off topic. Okay. But, um, so that's the synopsis, real quick. And then, um, so one of the things that has really blown my mind about this is that everyone has an opinion. There's a ton of commentary videos on YouTube and a ton of interpretations on the internet, you know, uh, I'm sure Reddit is, you know, it's been national news. I mean, all these, uh, big time news organizations are like covering it and like discussing the implications and ramifications of the Barbie movie. Uh, one that blew up and got very uh, popular, had a whole lot of views, was the Ben Shapiro uh, takedown uh. of Barbie, where he he burned uh, some Barbies at the beginning. And I do think that a lot of his shtick, his new shtick, is that he is like this right, or this conservative, this right-wing bulldog who's going to take on the left and he's going to be really aggressive about it, which is really funny because he's like a hair away from being gay and like just in appearance and like actions and, you know, the, you know, and I I don't necessarily mean that as a, as a diss or whatever. It's just like, he's a very feminine male. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him in like my masculine category, you know? Well, he makes a comment in his, uh, video about one of the Barbies, one of the girl Barbies having a deeper voice than he has. Yeah, I guess one of them was a trans transgendered Barbie. Like, or... Your voice isn't that deep. Yeah, I mean... yeah. That the comments. Yeah. I think both of us were like reading through the comments. We watched the that his whole forty five minute takedown of Barbie. We watched it separate, and I think we were both in the comments. And like the top comments, that was one of them. Is like Ben. Everybody has a deeper voice than you do, you know, which is funny. I guess my thing, I just want to say, I don't care if people don't like the movie, and I don't care if people have a differing opinion than me. That is fine. What I don't respect are people who come out with differing opinions and just slandering anybody else. If you want to dislike the movie, and I have, I've read good reviews of people who disliked the movie who gave valid critiques. Well, there was, there was one specific uh, one that I watched, and I guess her name is, her uh, handle is Shoe on Head, um, is hmm, the name okay. of her uh, in, you know YouTube, and I just stumbled on her whenever I, but she had a ton of views and a ton of, you know, I... It, it's funny because as I was like looking up different Barbie commentary, you like stumble onto these channels that I've never heard of. I've never th- looked into. I didn't even know it was there. And it's like a huge channel. Right. Mm-hmm. And so with, to comment a little bit uh, from our last you know, topic, which was social social media, I do think that it's super interesting today how many different channels. Oh yeah. And how the some of these channels can be huge and be very popular and very relevant to culture. 
And the vast majority still of- Still pretty obscure. Yeah. That, the vast majority of uh, Americans or, you know, observers, I don't know what to- you know, it's not, not even Americans. Yeah, not even Americans. Don't even know that it exists. But she she had a uh she didn't really like it. She didn't like the movie. She said um I don't think she used this term, but I've heard the term catfished. Like you think you're going to see one movie and then you get in there and it's like a completely different movie than you thought you were gonna see, you know? You didn't just get to see like Margot Robbie actually portraying the Barbie you grew up with. She's portraying like a coming of age Barbie. Well, that's what I was actually just about to say. And that is one of my interpretations of it is that it is a coming of age movie for Barbie. Barbie grew up and it's, it represents girls who are playing with Barbie. Right. Right. And again, I think that the audience is intended to be older women. So when I don't know if you want to get into my full analysis of it yet, uh, how about how about you give a little bit more on uh, on Ben Shapiro? Do you do you want to? Oh say gosh, I just about- I hated it. <laughs> I didn't think that anything he had to say, other than I will concede there were a few points about plot that I thought were okay. You're right, the plot was weak. Okay, cool. The other forty minutes of the video could just you know go off and burn. Yeah. Most of what he was saying is how he didn't think women were oppressed because. Men love their wives. Like, literal quote. Men love their wives. Okay. <laughs> Moving on, because it's just so, um, it's absurd to me. Um, Ken isn't treated as an equal by the end of the movie. He's upset. Barbie isn't supposed to know anything because she's a doll. He said that, like, many, many times. Which, I, don't... I, I will agree with him on that point. It, the, the consistency of that Barbie character... Uh, was very confusing, like which I actually like. I actually thought that Ken's character had an arc. He does. Like Ken's character started off at one spot. He learned a whole bunch of stuff. He tried to implement it, and then at the end, he had like a uh, realization. I feel like he has a a lot of character growth. But see, like I felt like with Barbie, she was kind of like would go in and out of like. Oh, she doesn't understand anything that's going on. She's completely dumb. Oh, she understands like very complex theories and can comment on capitalism. And then, oh, she doesn't understand this and that. It, it was just a very movie, confusing. I feel like was about Barbie finding her role. And then I think that isn't always a perfect trajectory. Which she was stereotypical Barbie. And so I feel like, I mean, I don't see her as dumb. I don't feel like the movie ever meant to make her out as dumb. I feel like she was always somewhat like oblivious, smart, but maybe Ig- just maybe ignorant, ignorant, but also she took on a role that she felt like society had given her and did not know what she was without that role, which I thought was interesting because all of the Barbies in Barbie world were all given the role that they were in. Yeah. So like that to me. I thought that he had some really good points around some stuff like that. I mean, to me, anything that Ben Shapiro said that could have even been deemed somewhat legitimate, I still dismissed because it was just him slandering everything. Right. And so, again, I'm not, no. Like, come to the table with a real argument, with a real debate. It didn't seem like he was genuinely uh, just watching the movie. It seemed like he went in to attack it. Yeah. You know? 
Because, or maybe had like preconceived notions even as to the fact that he was going to hate it. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It's fine. I I hated the Ben Shapiro review. I felt like for as much as he thinks that the Barbie movie is anti-man, I think his review is anti-woman. Interesting. Because well, literally it, one of my notes was, it's almost like he doesn't understand a woman's point of view. Which he doesn't. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> I mean, because he kept that, talking about women that, again That and last again. controversy where it was like, he, he got all, he was like quoting the words of WAP or whatever. Yeah. You know? And like, I, my wife would never have that. Yeah, yeah. It was funny because like, there was a whole bunch of comments like, poor Ben Shapiro's poor wife. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Ben, that's not a good thing. Yeah, that's not a good thing. <laughs> what do you say? The P word? Like, he would call it the P-word. Oh, he would? So, like, he was reading the lyrics. He's like, wet-ass P-word. Wet-ass P-word. <laughs> <laughs> it just, I don't know. It was just comical just because of him. And yeah, like I said, he's a hair He's a hair away from being gay anyway, <laughs> you know? It's just kind of a funny funny little dude. But, okay. Um, but, yeah, I, I to just back to the part that everybody has an opinion. Um, like I said, I listened to that shoe on uh, head. Uh, episode i thought she did a really interesting job i listened to several other interviews that i thought were interesting and then you've already mentioned uh plastic pills podcast mm-hmm. um so it, it's interesting because it has stirred up a lot you know yeah. uh let's let's go ahead and go into uh, a little bit of analysis just okay. nothing crazy but um oh, you want to go crazy. first sure so i'll just start by saying that i have Two main analyses that I think go together, I guess. Right? Like, I think there's layers to it. Right. Okay. So, on one hand, like I mentioned, I think it's a coming-of-age movie seen through the eyes of Barbie. Little girls play with dolls and have an idea of of what society is. So, for example, a little girl playing with a doll does make their own Barbie land, which is probably all women most of the time because it's a little girl playing with a doll. Right. They're not caring about equality when they're little and playing with dolls. They're just having fun, right? Mm -hmm. Then, when the girls grow up, they enter into the real world and discover that it's not what they thought. They discover inequality or sexism or just, just that it's not as beautiful and fun and amazing as they thought it was going to be. Then they need to rediscover who they are in that real society, right? So I think... In Barbie land, they give themselves an identity, right? Like, you can play astronaut Barbie and have that identity. Then you step into the real world and realize that you're not astronaut Barbie. And who are you, right? Like, who are you in this real world that wants roles for people? So, I feel like Barbie was trying to rediscover herself outside of Barbie land. And so, I do feel like it was coming of age. Or, like, define herself, maybe? Like... Like, define herself. Yeah. Truly, like, not what other people think she is or not what she's being told she is, but just who is she in this new world. Right. I also think the same can be said for Ken. I think it is also a coming of age for Ken as well. Because I also feel like little boys are often conditioned into sexualizing women. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even with, like, little kids, right? Like, oftentimes you see a little boy... And it's like, oh, do you have a girlfriend? Oh, the little girls are just going to love you. And I mean, the same, it does happen for girls, too. I'm not trying to exclude one. Right. I'm just saying it also happens for boys where they think having the hot girlfriend will give them more value. So I do think Ken also has a coming-of-age story of him entering into the patriarchy 
and both correctly and incorrectly assuming what it is. They were both at the beginning of the movie completely superficial. Mm-hmm. Both like Ken's job was just to stand on the beach and look pretty for Barbie. And Barbie was actually supposed to be this perfect, beautiful Barbie that all the other Barbies could like look to as like the ideal or like the blueprint. Yeah. So it, it is kind of interesting to, you know, both of the, those two characters striving out of the stereotype. Yeah. Breaking the stereotype, even though like Ken kind of goes full on embracing of the stereotype. When he gets kingdom, you know, he takes over Barbie land. And so I I think that on one hand, on one layer, the top layer, the movie is about how the patriarchy hurts both men and women. Neither men or women in the movie are benefiting from patriarchy. In the end, Ken even expresses himself that he was tired of leading. He didn't really care. He didn't know why he had to do it. He was just told to do it. He just saw that as a sign of power. He saw that as a sign of respect. So he took it and ran with it, only to find out that he's unfulfilled at the end. And that it still doesn't win him the girl. I will say, Ken, the kingdom, looked like everybody was having a lot more fun than Barbie Land at the beginning. I mean, I don't know about that. The the beginning of the movie also looked pretty fun. I guess, unless you were a Ken. Well, yeah, I mean... Yes, we'll get there, right? So again, that's just the first layer. I feel like the first layer layer is a coming-of-age story discussing how people enter into the patriarchy, both boys and girls. Okay? Second layer, I feel like this movie also touches specifically on the female experience by reversing the roles of men and women. So again, we see the Barbie land is all women, and Ken is just kind of there occasionally to look pretty. politics, construction, everything is garbage all women. Men or garbage women. Yeah, and then Barbie gets to the real world and acknowledges or sees that that's not the case. Like, where are the women, right? Like, she just doesn't, she's never seen that before. And Ken, throughout the whole movie, you can see him struggling with it. He just wants Barbie's, he just wants Barbie's approval. He just wants to be seen. And he's not. Right. Like, so in the beginning, when we start seeing Ken kind of spiraling, spiraling a little bit, it's understandable. We can sympathize with him. Mm-hmm. He's trying everything he can to be nice and likable to Barbie and get her attention and help her and support her. And that doesn't work. So and- then he turns to getting power other ways. Right. To try to impress her that way, which also still doesn't work. Right. Right. Then at the end, we see him, like, we see the Barbies kind of say, okay, maybe we don't need to run everything. We'll give you a seat on the Supreme Court. And so, again, they're still not fully equal, right? Like, they're still having to fight for them themselves to be validated in Barbie land. Okay, I think that was all intentional, and I think it was a swapping of the roles, as I said. Ken, Ken is hurt because he's pushed to the side so that Barbie can live her ideal world. He's pushed to the side because he's living in Barbie's world. Right. Right. Now, what, we're, what they're doing is placing Ken in the sympathetic role. So viewers understand the struggle of someone who has not been respected or validated and blatantly excluded from society. Again, so we can, we watch his whole journey and we feel for him. I feel like everyone feels for Ken by the end of it. Right. right? 
And like I said, even at the end, Ken does not gain full equality and people are angry about it. Like that's actually one of the biggest responses I've seen about the movie is that people are mad that it doesn't end in equality. What are we teaching people? Because Ken is still not equal. <laughs> Damn it. Like people are pissed that Ken's not equal, right? right. And again, I, I think that's fully intentional because... It seems as if people are wanting, in Barbie land, Kins to be 50-50. So you have half the Supreme Court, you have half of this, half of that, half of that. Which, in the real world, is still not true yet, right? Right. And, and I'm not... This is where I think it gets tricky with people talking about feminism and women's rights and whatnot. I'm not trying to say that like women are just so oppressed and our lives are miserable. But it's just simply a fact that... It's not 50-50, right? Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. But we're really, really mad that Ken doesn't get his 50-50 chance. Or, like, 50-50 uh, equality. And are we equally... Like, do we also equally want justice for Barbie at the end? To go into the real world and get her 50 equality? Well, and I, I do think that part of it is interesting to me. It's like... I've never quite understood this from, like, the feminist point of view... We're like, now granted, we might go into a little bit of a tangent here because you have expressed to me that you want to work. You're yeah. like, well, I want to work. I want to go out and this and that. And to me, I don't understand. I'm like, if you have a situation where you don't have to work and no one expects you to work, why would you fight to have to work? Right. Uh, and because right. it's interesting <laughs> because it's interesting because. It's like there is a fight to to have to work or to want to work or have the same opportunities to work. But then there's also a fight to um, have like a fair work environment, right? Which uh, now, granted, I'm not I'm not coming down on either side of this. I'm just kind of stating it. But it's like, you know. We, you know, a woman needs breastfeeding, a breastfeeding room or a room where she can pump. And then, um, you know, once a month, a woman has her period. And so there's, there's accommodations, right? Yeah. And so it's like, in order for us to work, we have to have a proper work environment. The environment has to be altered. Now, granted, I understand that that's coming from a male-dominated zone to where if you're having to alter the environment, that means that the environment was designed for with men. men involved, you know, men in, in mind. And it's just always been one of those things that's been interesting to me where I'm like, you know, um, I always kind of thought that the goal of society was to work less, Right. I, I think that that's kind of a fallacy, not that specifically, but the idea that women just want to work. I think, one, women want to be recognized for the work that they already do and have done throughout history. And I, I, that, to me, is, the, is where the true feminist uh, point that I really get on board is, is like, you know, just... When and I guess it's stay at home dads too because it's it's well, a I think it's you know, any like in a capitalistic society your value comes from working and producing value money, money. Right. yeah well yeah when I say value I mean money is the value right um however so yeah because of that it excludes anybody who's not working and as you said women do typically need more accommodations if they are going to have a family and give birth and raise kids 
And so typically they're excluded from this one thing that can give value in society, right? right. Well, and I mean, it expands also to like handicapped individuals. Yeah. And, I mean, and it's, so I, it's not, I think it's about women because it's been the plight of women throughout history, but it's not just about women. Right. And, and again, I, I think it's more than just working. It's also, do I get the choice to work? Even if women choose not to work, that's fine. But do they have that choice? Right. Are they just being told they can't because they need too many accommodations? That's all. Yeah. At, yeah, it's hard. It's a it's a it's a weird it's a weird scenario, you know. It is because yeah. uh, you know re- recently I don't know how I fell into this like thread. I mean, I'm sure it's because I've whatever I've been clicking on or whatever. But I've been getting all these like blue collar memes that like pop up. And there was one the other day where it was this guy like, you know, I don't know, he was doing some work on a car, you know, had it up on a jack. And the the meme, the voice over it was saying uh, like, man, it's really hot out here. Like, how do y'all do it? It's like, I'm broke. I don't have no money. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> I've got to be out here working. Like, I'm not doing it because I want to or because it's like an option. I'm poor. Well, and I also just want to say that I think feminism can exist while also acknowledging that men equally have their own struggles and right, right. perspectives on things, right? Well, and it's it's one of those tools of the elite to separate the proletariat and in any way that they can. So let's draw a line between men and women. Let's draw a line between weak and strong. Let's draw a line between black and white. Let's draw a yeah. line between anywhere, any bifurcation anywhere. that they can draw. Like well, let's draw a line between brunettes and blondes, right? It's like anywhere that they can draw a line, they're going to do that because they don't want the proletariat to. Yeah. And so I think that you can unite. be, pro women and still be pro men right like being pro women is not anti-man right yeah which is how which is how it's been sold yeah um is like barbie is either anti-man and pro woman or well that's really the majority (laughs) you know (laughs) even though i do think well, we're, well we're can I get... finish my analysis yeah, yeah, just real sorry. quick? I'm almost done. Uh-huh. But yeah, so I just wanted to say that I feel like it is showcasing the many emotions that a woman often experiences in her lifetime. Now we're just seeing it through Ken. Right. And I think that that was done purposefully so that way Ken is a sympathetic, or like we can see it through a sympathetic character. Right. Because again, nobody wants to sympathize with Barbie. Mm-hmm. And dare I say it, maybe not a woman. Right. Right. We can sympathize with a very attractive man. Well, it, it, uh, it, I know I, we've brought it up in past episodes, but it reminds me of that episode of A Time to Kill. Is it A Time to Kill with Matthew McConaughey? Yes. Where, um, oh, he, yeah, he, the tells, ending he tells the story at the very end and basically tells the story of what happened to this little black girl getting raped and beat and all this different yeah. stuff. And then at the very end, he says, now imagine it was a white girl. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, you know, like it just the way it framed it for oh, everybody very, in the courtroom. You know, it's a great movie. But yeah, a lot of times you have to anytime that there's a group that has been othered or a person that has been othered, typically if you flip the script You can a understand bit, it better. Yeah, you can relate it. Yeah. And so the last thing I just wanted to touch on was the brainwashing aspect of the plot because i've seen a lot of people discuss that as being anti-man or what's it doing there all the stuff like a lot of people are confused by it 
I just want to give my take on it. Okay. Yeah, let's um, hear it. Because I think it plays into the reversal. Mm-hmm. One, there is an aspect of me that also just thinks it's fun. That, hey, it's, it's just a movie and it was kind of fun. Well, and like the plot was fairly weak. And yeah. they had to like come up with some sort of drama because and it's the kids playing Matchbox Twenty, and it's yeah. fun. There is the other part of me too that also, like I said, it plays into the reversal that the well, the women were brainwashed by the men, and then now they need to go get the men to compete against each other after they become unbrainwashed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I just want to say that in society, right, like. Men are often thought of like their wives are the ball and chain and it's like, oh, well, she's got his grip on him. Oh, well, she's got him wrapped around her finger like that. It's almost like manipulative. Yeah, that women are brainwashing men. It's like, oh, well, we've put our spell on him. Do you know what I mean? Like we're this seductress and men can't say no. Therefore. They just, they're hopeless, right? So I think it was a reversal of that, as well as like them competing or making the kins compete. Mm-hmm. Women typically have been, um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Not brainwashed. Uh, but I feel like women are made to compete with other women a lot. That's the status quo. I feel like anytime a man cheats, you know, originally it was like, well, I'm going to get mad at the other woman. Because, again, I mean, he's just a man, but we're going to fight. Like, right. we're gonna, we are going to fight over this man. And then, again, I feel like the, the thought in the workplace especially is like, okay, if there's only going to be one woman, one woman at this job, we're going to fight for this one role. And so now I've seen a lot of women coming out and saying, we don't need to fight over the one chair, just bring more chairs to the table. Mm-hmm. But I do think women have been pitted against each other a lot. I mean, we even see it with, like, Taylor Swift. Like, Taylor Swift and Beyonce, who's better? Like, can they both not just be good artists? Right. Or the who wore it better in the magazines? Yeah. Who's better, Jennifer Aniston or Angelina Jolie? Who is the better pick? And so women are often pitted against each other, dare I say deliberately, in order to weaken them, right? Right. And so I think it was just a play on that. Well, and I thought that the whole brainwashing part of it, it was really interesting, granted, weird, confusing. I thought a lot of the movie was weird and confusing. But, you know, it starts off the whole thing and, like, Barbie's world is kind of, like, breaking down. And it's the other Barbies who tell her, like, hey, you've got to get this fixed. Like, you're broken. Like you're, you're, yeah, you know, because her foot, her foot was no longer, and like it was hideous. They're all like, ah, oh, you know, like, oh, it's so gross. And I'm like, it's interesting because that was a level of brainwashed, right? They were all brainwashed you into think thinking that her something. foot had to be a certain way or this or that, right? Yeah, or like in that, order to be deemed valuable. Yeah, and so like the brainwashing, it wasn't like the brainwashing that the Kins gave them was like a new thing. They, it's just, it wasn't a pro-hegemonic view of beauty, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, so it was kind of an interesting... I. Now, granted, I don't know. I haven't really dove in uh, deep on how to analyze that and how to like see what's going on. But the whole brainwashing thing was really interesting to me that they brought it up so blatantly. Yeah. Because I'm like at the beginning of the the movie, 
the Barbies were brainwashed, you know, into thinking that they were helping humanity or yeah. helping women. Well, and, and it was funny because that's actually one of the comments in Ben Shapiro's video is he says, isn't it funny that if the matriarchy is supposed to be so strong, but it can be flipped on a dime? Like, it's it's not that great of a system if it can just immediately be taken over, right? Right. And I wanted to say to him, like, that's the whole point. Like, any time there is one person, one group in power, it is weak. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yes, because then that power can just be transferred to another group of people who are going to abuse the power. Right. That, I think, is kind of the whole point of it. Yeah. Yeah, no, super interesting. So, oh, I was just going to say, all that to say, I enjoyed the movie. I also acknowledge that the plot was not the strongest, but at the end of the day, I thought it was fun. I liked it. I think I was the target demographic. Yeah. And I think that worked well for me. Like, Mm -hmm. I thought it worked well. I liked the songs. I liked the spectacle of it. And I liked the message of it. Again, I thought a lot of what the mom was saying in Barbie was said to me. You know, like, hey, I played with Barbies as a kid. Now I'm 30. I'm aging. My feet are flat and I have cellulite, right? Like, and that's okay. That is okay to exist in this world not as perfect. Right. And then, so just all that. I, that's my review. I thought it was good. Could it have been better? Yes. But I, I don't think it was anti-man. I thought it was more just pro-women. I'll, I'll just give a quick. Okay. Quick. Uh, recap so our quick thought so uh, on this topic and then we then we'll go somewhere else. <laughs> so um i thought it, one of the best frames that really helped me view this movie was that it's a satirical movie right so like if you're watching something and you know it's satirical what they're going to do is blow things up. They're going to... Yeah, I don't think be, it was meant to be taken at face value. It's going to be hyperbolic, right? It's it's like, yes, they want you to think that the patriarchy is the... Which, it's funny because it starts off with stereotypical Barbie, right? So all of the views, even down to like the middle school girl. So Barbie and this middle school girl, she thinks that's her girl. She thinks that that's the kid playing playing with her, her, but it's actually that girl's mom. But that girl is a stereotypical pain in the ass, woke, uh, little preteen, preteen who thinks thinks that they know everything. And I mean, you could have interjected. She thinks her mom is dumb. Yeah. You could have interjected a skater kid. You yeah. know, there. I mean, it was this. It was uh, a type of age, right? Just a little, little punk ass kid who thinks that they have the whole. World. It was a stereotype. The mom was a stereotype. The yeah, dad they all was are a meant stereotype. To re- represent a whole group of people. Yeah, everybody, everybody in the real world was a stereotype. Even down to like the CEO and all of this different yeah. stuff. And so it's just interesting because if you view the movie as a as a um, satirical movie, then you're able to like view it and say like, oh yeah, like of course everything's going to be hyperbolic and everything's going to be over the top because that's what it is. You know, it's, it's a, it's a satirical movie for women in their thirties. Yeah. Um, Which I feel like that's the coming of age part of it. Right. Like, like I just said, I was a kid who played with Barbies, got my worth from men. Like, hey, my job is to look pretty for men. 
my job is to get married. My job is these things. Now I'm 30. I am married. I've got kids. I live a very great life. Do yeah, I have value do. outside of just me being a woman? Like, right. just me being a wife and a mom. Do I right. exist? Or does that even have value? Yeah. You I know did. what I mean? I think it's just those questions. I can't remember if it was you telling me that or if it was one of these other videos that I watched. It all kind of blurs together. But it was uh, it was interesting because... Actually, one of my friends posted on Instagram. It was a story, I think. Um, but it, it was it was this thing where it said, like, you know, women, when they're growing up, their, like, existence is in relationship to something else. Yeah. So you are a daughter, or you are a mother, or you are a friend, or you are... Or someone's sister. Yeah, or you're the, you're the sex object, or, you know... It, you're not just like a person. I don't have value in and of yeah, myself. It's, it's all relative. Yeah. It's in relationship. Uh, I did think it was a fight club for women. Um, I actually made the comment as we were walking out of the theater that to me it just seemed like a fight club. Like, Yeah. Well, it, I think it shows commu- community with women. Right. Like, hey, all these women are going to get together and fight a system. And acknowledge their inherent value. And, and it's not what the system is telling them their value yeah, is. Yeah, kind of reject what the brainwashing that they've been subjected to. Or reject what has they have been told is going to make you happy. Hey, this will make you happy, yeah. right? And then you then you kind of realize that, no, that's actually not going to make me happy. Well, and then, which I'm surprised it hasn't come up yet, but the the really beautiful moment of the scene where Barbie sits next to an older lady on the... Uh, bus stop bench and sees her and says you're beautiful yeah she's all wrinkled and And it's just a very very touching moment because Mm -hmm. barbie at the beginning was worried about superficiality you know are my feet perfect is my body perfect right only to come face to face with age you know just old age and find it beautiful and realize that everything she was chasing after is stupid like it's okay it's okay to not be perfect yeah let it go yeah. It's like you don't have to you don't have to get Botox and get this and get that and like hide from the person that you are becoming. Well, just stop a process that like you can't stop. Like yeah. you're going to age. Yeah. It, and it's beautiful. That's stop, a beautiful thing. And stop hiding behind the mask. And so I thought that was kind of I mean, in a very very different vibe, Fight Club-esque. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, I was thinking specifically it was anti-capitalist pretty blatantly anti-materialism, anti-patriarchy, which is interesting because Fight Club was anti-patriarchy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so a couple of other little quick comments. I did think that the movie was in a sense, a little bit of a ripoff. Um, I really wish, I really think that the movie would have uh, benefited from being original because the whole movie was like the opening scene as a ripoff of 2001 A Space Odyssey, which I think um, kind of continues the theme. Uh, you haven't seen it. I haven't um, seen it. So. But, you know, the idea of 2001 A Space Odyssey is like that there's this pillar at the beginning of humanity, which in 2001, it's it's monkeys, you know, but that this um, ob- obelisk, this object basically creates the spark that ends up contributing to animals turning into humans. And then there's uh, different things happen throughout the movie, but it ends up with this transformation of one of the astronauts into a star child, which is, you know, Kubrick was a weird ass dude. Um, 
you know, part of the reason they probably faked the moon landing was, you know, to the, <laughs> that's one of the conspiracies that Kubrick was the was the director. Do you know that? No. Yeah. One the one of the theories is that Kubrick was the one that directed the footage oh, of the, the moon, moon landing. landing. Yeah, being faked. Oh, okay. I was just nodding my head and yeah. I was going along with it. Anyway, um, so I thought that was kind of strange. Uh, rip off, you know. It I don't think it's a rip off. I mean, a lot of movies make an homage to other movies. No, I agree. A lot of movies do make an homage to other movies. I'm just saying that I think this movie really relied heavily on kind of being a rip off. Like, I think if if you went down and broke down all of the different references throughout the movie, it was an ex- it was extensive. And now. Grant, I've only seen it one time, and I didn't really like dig into this, but there was a lot of cultural context that it relied on. Anyway. I think that's, yeah, okay, um, okay, I think fair. Uh, the movie was also basically Pinocchio. Becoming a real boy. Yeah, a doll becoming a real person. But that's not the first, like, it's not like those are the only two movies of something becoming real right like that's but kind i mean of a specifically theme. a doll that was created if anything that would be the movie uh what is it life-size with tyra banks i haven't seen she that. was the original life-size doll so it ripped off that movie ripped off tyra banks okay well i'm not i i know i agree so you're agreeing <laughs> to me that this movie was a rip-off. i i kind of think multiple movies can exist and to it's me not a it just, but to that's me, just me so um like kind of like my final take uh and i watched a bunch of interviews <coughs> with um greta greta Thur- gerwig gerwig greta gerwig greta right? gerwig um and i don't know i just i don't think she was the right person for this movie. Hmm. Like, I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe she's also now the highest grossing female director of all time due to this movie. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, she's probably bitter about. <laughs> I mean, she just did not to me seem like I just didn't. In all of the interviews, you know, you uh, you listen to some like Christopher Nolan's a good example of a director that when you listen to him. You can tell he thought really deeply yeah. about a lot of aspects of a movie. Like, I think uh, specifically Memento and, um, you know, just other other movies. He had very deep thinking about the movie and ownership of oh, the movie. Oh, I'm sure his movies are pretty you know? complex. <laughs> well, this, I listened to several episodes and it was almost like she hadn't even collected her thoughts. Like... You could kind of tell that she wasn't exactly sure the movie that she was making, but she wanted it to say specific things like Barbie sucks, basically, you know, or like the view in which I don't I thought I didn't get that from the movie that Barbie sucks. I got that from the movie like and a lot of the commentary that I listened to, like that's what that people were saying like versus and. It versus like a legally blonde, right? Yeah. Legally blonde, by the end of the movie, you have this bubbly, very girly, very pink character who who like proves the world wrong. Oh yeah, right? no, I think legally blonde is an amazing she movie. She says like, okay, you're that you're projecting on me that I'm dumb, but I can be whatever I want to be, and I can and I am not dumb and I yeah. am smart, right? And so she kind of took the whole pink and became 
owned it. Yeah. You know, whereas I feel like Barbie was kind of destroyed by the end of the movie, like to the point where literally stereotypical Barbie says, I don't want to be a Barbie anymore. Right. I mean, instead of her coming into her identity as Barbie, she actually rejects the identity of the Barbie. Right. And so it just to me, it it's it seemed very confusing for that matter instead of um, instead of her basically like figure like I think of like Toy Story. Right. By the end of it, Buzz kind of comes into his realization that he is a toy. Yeah. And he embraces being yeah, a toy, true. you know? And so, I don't know. It's just, to me, just kind of a couple of different things. Yeah. Anyway, uh, to to brush past that, and now I think the rest of the episode will will be loosely based on Barbie. Uh, but I got a couple of things that I want to say or, or talk about. Uh, first off, I thought it was interesting, and this movie was a really good example of art is a tool. And I think that the reason that there's so much controversy around it uh, in the zeitgeist and just in general is because people are like, but you don't understand. Art is a tool, right? If um, these young girls go and see Barbie, they're going to be brainwashed and they're not going to have any control over the thoughts that they're they gonna have hate anymore. Men. Yeah, because art is a tool and they're not going to be able to interpret this, you know, which I thought was interesting. Maybe um, we should teach visual literacy. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say is Art is a tool, and it can be used to cull the masses, which I would say a movie like Transformers does. Well, yeah, because right? Emmett's been on a big Transformers kick, yeah. so like we were literally watching it last night. Yeah, and and in that, you know, I thought it was really funny. He was watching uh, The Dark Side of the Moon, which I've never actually seen. I've never actually watched it. Uh, I didn't really watch any of the Transformers movies past the first one. And I thought the first one was enjoyable. Yeah, the first one was enjoyable, and it was what it was. It was what it was supposed to be. I can roll my eyes at Megan Fox being the love interest who is obsessed with cars and super knowledgeable. And Yeah. I can roll my eyes at that and still enjoy the movie, right? right? But I thought what was really interesting in context of watching the Barbie movie and and just seeing the controversy around it, now, granted, I just watched a small snippet of the movie, but the three females that are explicitly in the movie that I observed was um, Shia LaBeouf's girlfriend. Who in the this movie is a literal Victoria's Secret model. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't she, remember. Her name's Rosie. Yeah, she's smoking hot. And in every single... Rosie Huntington-Whiteley. In like every single shot. She is the obvious sex symbol to the point where there's like one spot where the boss, her boss, of course, this Um, rich billionaire white dude from Grey's Anatomy, but I can't. Oh, Patrick Dempsey. Yeah, Patrick Dempsey. Um, There's one point where he's like talking about this car. And it's obvious that he's actually talking about Charlotte's girlfriend. Well, yeah, he's like quite literally hitting on the girlfriend yeah, as the boss. Of course, right? And buying her a car. But sexism and, doesn't exist. Right. Well, and that's what I thought was interesting is like stereotypically a sexist, you know, and then even like she goes up to see Shia LaBeouf at his work and Shia LaBeouf's boss is like checking her out like uh, overtly. Like he's like bending his head to the left and like looking at her ass and stuff. 
Well, then uh, there's, oh, she's like uh, highly high. What? what oh, no, say? sorry. You can finish. I was going to jump say to like, character. That character, that particular female character is highly sexualized. She's on, she only exists to be sexualized. And she's movie. dumb about it, right? She's like, what do you mean my boss is sexualizing me? No way. Even though she's like literally wearing skin tight dresses. dresses yeah. And I mean, just it's she's a bimbo, you know you know, character who's completely oblivious to the fact that men just are interested in her body. And then the next character is Shia LaBeouf's mom who plays this completely whacked out, you know, goofy, oblivious woman. Right. I mean, both of his parents play these oblivious characters that are just completely dumb. And then a leader of this, I don't know exactly who she's supposed she's to like be. She's like the defense secretary of defense, okay, or yeah. she has some sort of like high ranking federal position in the government. And she's a complete idiot, too. Like, well, but I mean, she is still attractive. Yeah. They yeah, don't she, sexualize her as much, although one of the guys makes that comment about her ass. Yeah. Which is like, what? And so, again, it's like if we're talking about movies about toys made for kids. Yes. That is something that I'm like watching this with Emmett. It's like, hey, we don't talk to women like that. Hey, women don't just exist as a sex object. Like, I know he's wanting to watch it because it's got cool cars that transform into big. Big robots that yeah. shoot each other. And like, to him, that's fun. But then I do think, man, is this like, is he learning to sexualize women? Which in this he movie? is. I mean, he's being like, that's what I'm saying is um, art is a tool and it can be used to call the masses and it, it creates programmed responses. Sorry. Oh my gosh. But it creates these programmed responses. Um, and, and these like stereotypical responses, right? To where you, it, it's like, okay, we're going to take all of these different stereotypes and we're going to cram them all into one movie. And then we're going to play out this pretty much stereotypical plot line. And then at the end, the hero is going to save the day and get the girl, you know, and was anybody outraged when that movie came out? I don't think, I don't think anybody's outraged about that. I mean, I don't, I don't recall Ben Shapiro doing a 45 minute takedown. What are we of, teaching our little boys? Yeah. What are we teaching our little boys? Yeah. Cause right. he was, he kept saying that in the Barbie movie. What are we teaching our daughters? I mean, I mean what are we, what are we teaching? What are we teaching? What is our an eight year old girl going to learn from this movie? That's right. what he kept saying again and again, and again, even though it's PG 13. Right. Um, what was I going to say real quick? Oh, yeah. I, a couple of years ago, and I, I should have looked this up beforehand. I didn't think about it. But Megan Fox actually came out against Transformers. Right. Do you remember that? Yeah. About how she was being blatantly sexualized. And now there's talk of like, hey, you did sign up for it. I mean, I get that because that's what everybody came out against Megan Fox. You don't get to say that. You signed up for it. Right. But like she was essentially saying the same thing we're saying now. It was mm-hmm. like, hey, the movie is just using me as a sex object. And that's what we are representing women as right and then everyone's like just shut up megan fox yeah shut up just be hot yeah (laughs) um but so that is one way that it can be used is to cull the masses into just blind submission or it can jostle uh the population out of and i mean i think of this like specifically like with music, right? Like the music of the sixties, anti-war music, uh, anti-establishment music like that. Uh, a song just blew up recently. We were talking about it right before we started the episode, the, uh, Richmond from North of oh, Richmond, yeah. 
Um, it's blown up. I think it's got like 17 million views or something like that in nine days. A lot of people are talking about it. It's getting a lot of press. Um, but so that's what I'm saying is like art can be used as a means of like waking up the masses, uh, as like kind of shining a light on either hip, like, um, yeah, it can do both. Yeah. It can, it can show you how you are acting hypocritically. I also think that sometimes art exists just to, it just exists for our own feelings. I'm not sure if I'm wording that correctly. Like, but it's a reflection of the times. Well, and so that's what I just wanted to say about Barbie. Like, I can go to Barbie and enjoy it because I feel like I was being seen. Do you know what I mean? They were, they were like, hey, uh, we, like, 30-year-old moms need this movie. And yeah. they created a character, which that mom, I don't know how old she was in the movie, you know? Old enough to have a 13-year-old daughter. Yeah, but she, like, was specifically you in a movie yeah 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 and so i just thought that i've thought of that with the barbie movie because again all the women wearing pink and all the women that i've seen who do like the movie that seems to be the main idea again and again it's like for all the men who don't get it or ben shapiro whatever else maybe it just wasn't meant for you right not all art is meant to be for all people yes yeah there there is a certain amount of it is the you know like um i saw this painting that Picasso wrote or drew, he, he did several different in his, like, I think it was in his impressionist stage. I can't remember exactly. Cubist stage or whatever, one of the stages. But there's a famous one where it's a picture of all the women looking up to the sky. And it was about like the bombing of, I can't remember, I think it Dresden maybe. But anyway, there was like one painting. Well, he also did another painting about um, basically whenever all these, it was in uh, Korea, whenever the, uh, you know, the U.S. military massacred a bunch of civilians and the claim from the U.S. side was that a lot of North Korean forces had infiltrated into the civilian population and then so it was dangerous so they had to basically kill all these like women and children uh but picasso like draws this picture you know um kind of showing like hey you know it jostled the population Mm -hmm. out of just saying like oh well no our military doesn't do anything wrong period full stop right uh, which is interesting because that, in my opinion, is a tool of the military industrial complex, right? Like, don't ever question our soldiers. But it's like the soldiers are just doing what the military industrial complex is telling them to do. I think in a lot of ways they're just being sacrificed right along with, you know, the values that. Yeah, they're not individuals making individual individuals. Right. They're. Decisions. They're. Cogs in a machine, as a unit, and so I do feel sorry for them, and I do respect their uh, dedication. You know, I'm not trying to trash on them or anything like that. I'm just saying it is kind of a, it is kind of interesting. Anytime um, that narrative is used, you always got to like wonder what is it that they're like covering up, or what is it that they're using to hide. Uh, anyway, well, I so- think that's why during any historical moment in time, whether it's war or just famine, whatever else, people make art. There are always the people who make art from right, it. Right, right. that we remember it. Like, 
it's special. It's meaningful. Right. And um, so I think art also requires interpretation. Well, and usually there's many different kinds of interpretation to it, right? Like, so even I have my interpretation of the Barbie movie, yet other interpretations exist. Right. And that's not to say that they're wrong or I'm right. I right. mean, it's yeah. just, it's open for interpretation. It requires interpretation. Yeah. Like that, that is what, you know, a movie interacts with the observer of the movie, right? And so in that interaction, that's where the, so to speak, the magic happens, right? It's like reading a book, right? If a book just sits on the state on the the shelf and nobody reads it, then it's not impacting the world, right? The only way that it impacts the world is through the interpretation of an observer. Well, and especially coming from English, right? Like an English background, that's what you do like with literature is you write theories about it, right? Um and so I can pull up The Great Gatsby, for example, and I can pull up a hundred different articles with a hundred different theories about what it is, right. what it means, its implications. And they're not wrong. It just, it's a conversation. Right. It's always in conversation. People are conversing about it. And there's different uh, lenses by which to view. Yeah. And it can mean all these different things depending on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it requires interpretation. I think, there's a definitely it, it's kind of interesting because, you know, everybody goes into this thing looking for what they're trying to get out of it. Right. So Ben Shapiro went in for whatever reason, knowing that he was going to hate it or knowing that it was going to trash, quote unquote, tra- trash on men. He was very offended. But it, it's interesting because there is one interpretation of the movie where you're looking at it and you're like, man, at the end of the movie, I see this guy who the world lied to him. He was told that his entire purpose was dependent upon this life that he could never attain. And at the end of the movie, he's liberated from the patriarchy. He's liberated from the matriarchy. He's, yeah, he's liberated. He just now gets to go find himself. Yeah. And so it, it's kind of interesting be. because I think that there's multiple different ways of interpreting any art, you know, or of any, uh, you know, any piece of art. And I just thought that, you know, it is interesting that with all of the movies that have objectified women over the years and used women as the, the, the backdrop character, stereotypical character yes, that really doesn't have any depth or. So, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I want you finish what you're going to say. No, go ahead. Um, I just wanted to mention the Bechdel test. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, so most movies have been primarily male-centered, right? So the Bechdel test was invented. It was just supposed to be something fun. It was just commenting on the roles of women in movies. So it's just a fun thing to see if a movie passes the Bechdel test. So the Bechdel test consists of three rules. One, at least two women are featured. Okay? Two, these two women talk to each other at some point throughout the movie. And three, they discuss something other than a man. Those are it. Those are the only three rules that exist to pass the Bechdel test. And that's kind of why it was created, to show how low the bar is for women in movies. Right. And I mean, there's a lot of movies who don't pass the Bechdel test. You know what movie just popped into my head? Uh, as a pretty interesting example, and and I would wonder uh, with the Bechdel test, 
uh, being applied to it is that Uncle Buck. Did you ever see that? I don't think so. It was a movie with um, John Candy in the 80s. Uh, that would be an interesting, an interesting movie, you know, because it, it's old school. A lot of those movies from back in the day, I mean, they would be interesting to apply it to any of the Chevy Chase movies or any of that stuff, you know, but, um, okay. Bechtel test. That's a pretty good way of wrapping up that little segment. Yeah. Just that. I think that's what makes the Barbie movie fun is it's at least just about women. Yeah. Right or wrong. Whatever people's views of that are, it's at least a movie about women. Right. And so. Kind of just, you know, some finishing thoughts some uh, to wrap this thing up a little bit. Um, you know, I, I do feel like we have a broken culture right now. And I think that the Barbie movie was, you know, a good snapshot of just like the confusing times that we're in. And like, because ha- to me, I mean, honestly, the movie was very confusing. Like I was like trying to latch on to something or trying to like find my opinion. And it was really hard next to impossible to do. Right. Because, you know, you look at it as like, okay, well I'm going to analyze it from, you know, Barbie, you know, being the main character and you go through it and it's like, wow, that's really confusing. Or like, I'm going to look at it from, from Ken's point of view as a pretty confusing, you know? And like, and uh, I do think that, it is, it shows that we are in like a broken culture and like we're in this weird spot. I, uh, don't, it's like a post-colonial world, right? Like we're in this spot now where it's like, Hey, you know, the American empire is kind of coming to an end. Uh, a lot of the other empires around the world have already come to an end. You know, you've got these other ones that are kind of firing up. It's, it's like, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about late stage capitalism and how we're in this like decay stage of, um, economic growth or, you know, economic, the, the framing of our society is just kind of shattered in a sense. Um, you know, and, and I do think that this kind of showed because, you know, we, we all have these predefined identities that we're born into and the Barbie world is a good example. Ken was a predefined, you know, he didn't get to choose who he was or he didn't even get to choose what he strove for. Like he had to get Barbie's attention. Why? Because that was the only reason that he existed. That's the only thing that mattered in Barbie land. It's the only thing that mattered in Barbie land, you know, and, and Barbie, her feet had to be bent or, you know, had to be on her tippy toes and fit into high heels. Why? Because that's all that she was outside of having perfect feet and a perfect body. She was nothing, you know? Um, and then that gets shattered. And so I do think that it's interesting because right now we're living in this like identity politics world where, you know, I even think back on like, uh, you know, Biden had that, uh, famous, you know, interview, I think, I can't remember who he was talking to when he was like, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. You remember when he did that, you know, and you're like thinking about it. And I'm like, man, if I was a black person, that would be so offensive to me because it is, um, not degrading you, um, simplifying you down. Yeah, flattening out. It's flattening you out into this one identity. On a piece of paper, this is what you are, and therefore yeah. you should and think you this. And you should think this, because 
that's what we're telling you to think, you know? Um, and I, I do feel like, you know, into the void, there is potential, right? Um, I'm hoping to finish a blog post at some point in time in the ne- the near recent future. <laughs> near recent future? Weird, Just the near future? Weird, yeah, near future, maybe. Um, about this, you know, a big reason that we moved out here was to try to redefine our culture, yeah. right? I want to set my kids on a different path culturally than I was set on, right? I want them to um, know how to grow food in the ground. And like, I love, like one of the first things that Emmett like likes to do right now in the morning is go let the chickens out. Oh yeah. It's his, you his know? chore. His it's favorite like his, thing. his thing. And then he feeds the dogs and he loves on Murphy and gives him, you know, gives him rub, you know, ear rubs and stuff. And, and it's just, you know, in, I think what's so frustrating to me about different, you know, macro commentators is that they are making a shit ton of money off of pointing out that the culture is broken and shattered, but they're not really putting anything into it. Uh, it, It's just like, like for instance, Ben Shapiro or like that branch, the conservative right wing, it's a regressive story what they're saying yeah well and i'm saying regressive in the sense the way that they say we should fix our culture is by going back back to how our culture once was right founding fathers and uh you know all which i'm not saying that the constitution isn't something that you can put a little bit of faith in and you know or like you know the christian don't seem to be listening to what the other side is trying to say right they're not they're not trying to create a culture they're trying to um re regress and grab an old culture and trying to refit it maybe for like the modern world it makes me think of what is it pepperidge farms yeah like Uh, the south park uh pepperidge farms remembers oh yeah yeah because it's this package of like homemade cookies right if we can all just sit on the front porch and eat our grandma's cookies this country be a better place yeah but buy your grandma's cookies from package. a package which just to you know tie it full circle the barbie movie is made by mattel which is a corporation right so right. yeah it's all kind of interesting like that yeah we're in a we're in an interesting time um really my my closing thoughts is don't expect anything from hollywood uh anything original or new or groundbreaking you know uh, be surprised or be pleasantly surprised if you do get it. You know, like I, I've been thinking a lot about the um, the uh, recent iteration of the Joker with Walking Phoenix, and I thought that that was a, a very powerful reimagination. You know, but I mean, it, it was still. A- I think there are good storytellers out there. It's just to get a movie into Hollywood into the box office is a challenge. Yeah, it's a challenge. And um, do you have any closing thoughts? Any final thoughts? Not really. I mean, I mean, we have been talking for an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, so I mean, I think I've said everything out. I need to say. I enjoyed Barbie. It's okay if you don't. There's no reason to go bash the movie. And if you have some reason that you disagree with everything we're saying, let me know respectfully and I will respectfully listen. Ooh, you better be respectful about that. Yeah. R E S P C T. Yeah, me, which was a <laughs> which was a song by a big old powerful woman, Ruth Franklin. You know, 
respect me. I, I always felt like anytime I listen to that song, like she maybe would like hit you with a pan if you weren't respecting her. Jeez, you know baby. what I'm saying? Like it, it almost felt a little violent to me. You know, it was kind of uh, aggressive. You know, in a sense. So, anyway. Uh, hopefully you've uh, enjoyed this episode, and um, hopefully this will be our last Barbie episode we record. Yes, this will be the last. Barbie <laughs> I'm episode. not doing it. Yeah, again. we're not doing this again. Uh, you know, hopefully you know, like, share, subscribe. Um, you know, hop over, check out our website. We do have some stuff up. We need. I need to really focus in and get that website going. I mean, it it is there and it's you know it exists it exists i need to revamp it but there's some short stories there that i think are worth a read i uh i i wrote them so of course i think you know i'd like for you to i also think they're worth a read oh thanks babe and then you can also check out some other stuff we got some cool stuff on there and hopefully i'm going to revamp the shop in the near future Uh, i do have panel primate shirts and hats still for sale if anybody's interested they're vintage now yeah they've um so anyway thank y'all for listening and uh hopefully you got something out of the episode i you know i really was wanting to be careful with this episode because there is so much commentary that i kind of wanted to do something a little different and i feel like that was different than anything i've uh observed online so sure anyway hopefully we're gonna do a uh a coffee with the Kirleys. we might do this next week before oh yeah, I'll do this in the intro. I'll mention, but uh, Shannon did get a job. Yeah. So, and she starts next week, and so hopefully we'll do a coffee with the Kirleys before before that gets kicked off. So, anyway, thank you all for uh, listening, and until next time, peace.